How's your so how's work going for you guys? Libby, you wanna go for it? Um, sure. I'm like painting my nails. I was mid thought. Okay. I'm gonna stop though because I can't multitask. I'm <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, yeah, work's going good for me. Um, good. Two new buildings. Very excited about them. Oh, good, Libby. Yay. Mm. Yeah, we start them next week. They are a drive, though. One is three hours away and one is two hours away. <laughs> Damn. Um, so, That's so yeah. crazy. Yeah, but it won't. I mean, hopefully it won't be. I, I can't say it won't be once a week because the, the Rona, man. I mean, I don't. It's so, I'm going to get nasal swab like three times a week, I think. Oh my be- gosh. Whoa. <laughs> I'm already For like real? because I think my little sinuses are going to be distressed. Oh, um, they'll be so inflamed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going to be like one That's big runny nose. Very invasive, I hear. Yes, yes. Because you, it is. It's, it's because I'm going into so many different buildings though. So um, mm-hmm. it's just not going to work out. It's fine. Yeah, that's, I'm being affected by COVID at work too. We have a MISC kid in right now. So that's that multi-system inflammatory syndrome in kids. So pretty, it's been pretty interesting stuff for me lately, just doing that. How about you, Morgan? You said you had a slower day today. Yeah, finally, it's starting to slow down and I am just getting in the swing of things. It's getting a lot better. Uh, Well, today it was a lot better anyways, but official training starts basically tomorrow, so it'll pick back up. But it was nice to have a little break today, so. That's good. Yeah, but I'm excited to talk healthy at all size today. Yeah, what are you guys doing today? So, this is Morgan. I am drinking a drink called red wine. I don't know if you've heard of it. (laughs) But the red Red, red wine. (laughs) (laughs) And the way that you make it is you hop in your car and drive to your closest Trader Joe's and stand in the wine aisle for 20 minutes until someone comes up and says, can I help you? (laughs) And then they tell you what their favorite wine is. So you buy that one. Oh my god. <laughs> Trader Joe's has the best wine selection. Them and grocery outlet. Oh, grocery outlet. Oh. What? Oh, girl, and it is cheap. You can get like like $20 bottles of wine for like 6 bucks. Shut the front what? door. I can't believe you haven't lived this life. They have the best selection. They don't always have like the same thing, right? Because they're a bargain store, but mm-hmm. the best selection. And in Washington, they also do discount liquor. So, I mean, you can get like a bottle of vodka at you know like a 20 percent markdown i did not know this you learn something new every day valuable life lessons this yeah. is cody <laughs> i am drinking my favorite ruby red white cloth or ruby red grapefruit is that what it's called yeah yeah <laughs> nice cody, you're, white drinking the cla- you're back with like the classics mm-hmm. it is it's honestly i it's usually just what I have around here, and yeah. it, it never fails me. Love that. Um, I am drinking a red beer. So it's a little Clamato. And then some of my favorite, it's like a, like a chili lime salt, kind of, mm. from Mexico. It's my favorite thing ever. Um, I bought it in Mexico, though, and I haven't quite found like the perfect equivalent here in the States, but 
And then um, just a Budweiser up top. It's quite tasty. Mm, yeah. Nice. So today we're talking about healthy at every size. How are you guys feeling going into this conversation? <laughs> I've been like stressing about it all week and I want to open with a disclaimer. <laughs> oh, wow. I like, I mean, I think that it needs to like, like okay, disclaimer, we are medical professionals and everything that we are sharing today is evidence-based and fact-based, Okay. And I think it's a really, this is a super sensitive topic. It, it needs to be done delicately. Uh, if you haven't noticed by now, we aren't always the most delicate. <laughs> <laughs> but right. I, you know, I don't, um, we're going to talk about the benefits of health at every size. We're also going to talk about things that some people might not agree with. There's, there are people who are so pro health at every size and I am to a point, we're going to talk about it. I just, I'm going to mm-hmm. throw out the disclaimer that we are discussing evidence-based research Mm -hmm. um, in relation to body weight, adipose tissue, health, overall, overall things. Okay. So like, I just, I felt like I had to start with that. Like, don't hate us because we are going to be throwing some, we're going to be discrediting, not discrediting, but we're going to be discussing some of the harder topics to talk about. Um, We've really been plowing through body positivity. We still endorse, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, I think that's a good yeah. disclaimer, and we are trying to approach this delicate, delicately. But, I mean, just like anything, there's pros and cons. So I think we'll discuss all of those things, the good, the bad, maybe the ugly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm excited to talk about it. I want to throw in my own disclaimer that is just – um, my only experience in practice so far has been in pediatrics. So, you know, this is something that I, I feel like I'm going to be participating. It's like a general discussion, right? I don't have a ton of experience working with people um, like adults that are basically concerned with this topic. So we... I mean, I know the the basics that we've learned in school, right? Is and we want to have that. We want to focus on the science, right? So let's talk about what health at every size. I mean, it's pretty literal, like health at every size, meaning you can be healthy at any size. Like no matter what size your body is, you can still be considered healthy, right? Yes. So right. I think, yeah. I see. I looked it up, guys. And on Google, it says health at every size is a hypothesis advanced by certain sectors of the fat acceptance movement. So fat acceptance movement is like a broader thing, right? And I still remember when we were in nutrition school and you you know who, our our dietetics program, you know who mentioned um, going to a conference and this sort of shift that occurred with people being less sensitive around the word fat you know it's like people want to reclaim that word and yes we are fat some people are fat and it's not a bad or shameful word you know it's just an attribute totally and and everybody has what you said damn oh i would i'll fill you in and we can cut this but okay oh yeah i love that i vividly remember that because i felt so uncomfortable and i still do even as a dietitian 
sometimes hearing the word fat makes me uncomfortable and I want to be more comfortable with that word because it's not a negative word it doesn't have to be a negative word but it is portrayed as negative and I think people have a hard time like saying oh that person's fat that's freaking rude (laughs) yeah it doesn't have to be everybody has fat some people have more fat than others and it's just a way to describe I guess a a body type I don't know yeah it's just I think it's just been used you know it depends on how you use it right right? like sometimes I call myself a bitch and I say it as an endearing (laughs) term right (laughs) (laughs) not I you know it's I think it's how you use it and I do think it has a bad connotation because people typically are using it and I mean, like, oh, they're so fat. Right. Know? Yeah. And right. this is where it ties in with the body image standards in our society. Like, I think it's it's the fat acceptance movement is long overdue. And I think it was probably naturally born out of all of this, like, shame surrounding fat people and m- people being made to feel less than because they have a certain body type that isn't the trend of the moment, you know? Yeah. Right. And I think, and I think by calling it the fat movement, they're trying to normalize, normalize the word, right? Like when someone calls you a word that you don't like, and then you are like using that word all the time to feel less shitty about the word. <laughs> right. Right. I, I do that. I don't know. Yeah, I agree, Libby. And there are, I mean, so let's talk about the good things of health at every size first, then. From my understanding, I, I know people get it confused a lot with body positivity right and it's not really the same thing to me do you guys feel like they're different things as well yes I think we need to make that distinction yes and we can talk about that in more detail but I do think that there's some similar concepts like just weight inclusivity for example different shapes sizes colors of bodies including those bodies and not shaming people for having different bodies I I think that's part of the movement that I like, but I feel like there's other movements as well that includes that, that could be, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like that are maybe more helpful overall? Yeah. I just want to say that, like, I do think that it does include different sizes of body and it tries to be inclusive in that aspect. Do you guys feel like that's one of the big things? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's the main point of it is trying to normalize like you do not have to be a size two to have health, right? And to be healthy. Yes. Um, And yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that is the point of it, right? Is to normalize, like Morgan said, normalize different body types, sizes, um, shapes, everything, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone should be able to feel good about their body like that's the basic tenet about body positivity absolutely and I I think from the premise that the way that it sounds you know when when you look at the wording right it says health at every size you can be healthy at every size what I do not agree with though is that it's not always necessarily focusing on health and it's more focusing on they're trying to to say that you can't you, you know, to endorse health at every size, you have to be confident. And that's not, it's not the same thing. Morgan said it, um, you know, body confidence does not equal health. It just, I mean, it doesn't, you mm-hmm. can be confident unhealthy just as easily as you can be non-confident and super healthy. So, um, 
yeah, I think will to to be discussed. <laughs> I think so yeah. too. And how about other positives or back? Yeah, back positives, to the positives. I would say, and I think this goes with a lot of other body positivity movements. I guess I would say, but promoting a healthier relationship <laughs> to food that could potentially be a consideration of health at every size, depending on how you look at it. I think. I want to point out the positives, but it's hard for me to say a positive without pointing out the negative because <laughs> right. I'm like, don't I I'm agree really on board with it? I so, I agree. I think let's just well. Talk I think I I do have one more positive that I'd like to mention. Yeah. Um. Oh, and now I just forgot. <laughs> oh yes. Well, the main point with health at every size too, and I've talked about this before in our body image episode just getting away from equating healthy with a skinny or muscular body type it's just so ingrained in people's minds that it's you're automatically healthier if you look this way but in reality it's it is more of a gray area how are we defining health yeah it's and this is where you can get into metabolic markers or um like risk for diseases and it's there's just a lot there can be a lot more than just meets the eye and our society has become so stigmatizing of just bigger body types that you really you can't always assume on an individual level that that person is less healthy because they look heavier yeah right I I totally agree So I think this is a great place to, how are we, how are we defining health? When we say you are a healthy individual, how, how are we defining that? Right. Cause, cause it's, it's not how you look. We know that. So right. what, what are the things that are, um, that are indicators in the health fields of health? And to me, I would say it's a combination of things. My first one would be from a dietitian standpoint and from a person who has a background in science, we love our labs. And I would say doing blood tests, looking at lipids or glucose or mm-hmm. liver function, things like that. That is, I mean, we already know that when you have higher levels of fat on your body and by higher, I mean a lot, a lot of fat, right? When like you overweight have, or obese. Exactly. Like when your category, sometimes when you're categorized mm-hmm. in those areas, those lab values will be off. We'll see higher cholesterol, higher triglycerides, mm-hmm. uh, higher LDLs, potentially even higher even... resting blood glucose. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And even maybe an altered liver function, because when you have that much fat on your body, it accumulates in your liver and it can't function as well. These are just things that we know happens when your body yeah. has more fat. Pretty on typical. It. And then also, you know, things like respiratory problems, heart, totally. heart problems, you know, things that come along with putting um, extra pressure on your, on your internal organs, um, right. it, on, it, your it, joints. on your joints, your kidneys, how they, how they have to pump extra fluid and blood and, work harder to do things because of certain markers of health, right? Mm-hmm. Um, fluid overload, things that change as, as your laboratory values, um, which means as your, your body systems are not functioning the way that they should be, right? right? Right. And just from what we know so far 
is that obesity is related to a lot of chronic diseases and whether it's a correlation, which would mean like with higher levels of body fat, you have a higher chance of having a chronic disease or causation. I don't know because there's a list of chronic diseases that are correlated with obesity, like diabetes or hypertension or certain kinds of cancer, heart disease. All these things yep. are linked to obesity. And I mean, it's so that's what's fascinating to me, because we know that on a data yeah. level, there's a considerable body of evidence that shows those correlations. Right. Um, but it's interesting because every once in a while you do have on the individual level, people who don't fit that mold necessarily. Totally. Yeah. So you could right. have someone with an overweight or a BMI that's classified as overweight or even obese. And um, they might, they may not show some of those um, abnormal lab vo- values and they might not show that they're unhealthy metabolically But one of the other things that, you know, going back to talking about how we define health, you really always have to look at that person's lifestyle. That's a big thing to me as a dietitian is just overall lifestyle. What does their diet look like? What are they eating and when? Um, How are you moving your body? And just the whole picture, you know, do you you spend time with family? Are you stressed? How are you sleeping? Because I really, that's how I define health and wellness too. Yeah. And I think adding on to that, just how you feel like we're, we're trying to establish what healthy means. Right. So on top of lab values, I do think that how you feel and the functionality of your body. And if you can do what you want to do on a daily basis and the activities that you want to do, I think mental health goes into it a lot as well beyond the science. Oh yeah. The lab values and whatnot that can help us determine are you healthy? But also I think, can you do what you want to do? And can your body function how you want it to function? You know? I love that you brought in mental health. Yeah. yeah and, and I also think it's, um, you know, because you're obese and maybe even where you hold your fat is where, you know, cause we, we know that certain body shapes have a higher risk for certain diseases. So the more, the more fat that you carry around your midsection increases your risk for um, for insulin resistance. So, so you know, high blood sugar. Um, it increases your risk for cardiovascular problems and disease, and for certain kinds of cancer. And it's just kind of the location of where your adipose tissue resides, right? Yeah. However, there's some people that might always classify as obese, and maybe they have that body shape. And maybe they, you know, maybe they have other factors that prevent them from losing weight, but they, they're still active, right? They're doing the things that they should be doing. Therefore, their laboratory values are normal. They eat a well-balanced diet. They exercise 30 minutes a day, vigorous activity, right? Or two hours or an hour of, of light walking or whatever the case may be. Like, we don't know, right? And that's why you have to take into account all of the things. <laughs> exactly, then- because... Because it's not just yeah. nutrition and exercise that determines your health. There's genetics, there's hormones, there's so many other things. But I yeah. think you bring up a good point because just because you're overweight or obese, determined, I guess, by BMI, which is a whole another topic, it doesn't mean that you're unhealthy or that you're going to get cancer or hypertension or heart disease or diabetes. It's That's right. not what we're saying. But you cannot deny the fact that if you are overweight or obese, 
you're more likely to get them. You're just putting yourself at a higher risk. Maybe I could have put that in a more delicate way, but that's just what we know. Yeah. I mean, and there's the science behind it. And I wanted to touch once more, like on the mental health thing, Morgan, that I think that's super important because um, a really high percentage of overweight or obese patients that I have worked with Mm -hmm. ever, they almost always have an underlying mental health condition. And with Mm -hmm. that comes like an antipsychotic medication. That's like a huge appetite stimulant. And so it's so hard Mm -hmm. to get like a consult for weight loss or something. Yeah. And be like, well, here's the deal. Like probably not probably it is more important that they maintain good mental health. Totally. Than Mm -hmm. it is that we make them lose 30 pounds. Right. Totally. let's let's address this from a better perspective of me going in and telling them that they're fat and they need to eat less using fat in a negative term right <laughs> um yeah. like yeah. how can we address this through counseling and actual you know actual physical changes that you're doing on, on an emotional basis right medical nutrition therapy through counseling um counseling with psychiatry or or a therapist you know things other factors. So I just, I just wanted to mention that too. Yeah. And working with a dietitian too, I think people will find virtually all dietitians are at least body, body positive, right? We, there is weight bias out there that we've talked before about before, but as a whole, as a profession, dietitians tend to be very body positive, very food positive, And we're aware of that. So not at no, all. I remember I remember an instance in class one time from a certain individual that was not body positive. So <gasps> Ooh, I think I know who you're talking you know, about. It was a it was a moment. <gasps> I mean, there there are 100% dietitians who are not body positive. Um, but yeah. they are they are a rarity, right? We go we went to school to learn how to accommodate people's people's feelings and how to see all sides of of the equation. So, I mean, which, which is so important, I think as a dietitian, because everybody does have different body types. And when you look at the population of the U S like 70% of people are overweight or obese according to their BMI. So take it with a grain of salt, but realistically it's a huge problem because overweight people are discriminated against in every aspect, like applying for jobs or in healthcare or in any situation, any situations, really, they can be discriminated against. And so I think it's important, these body positive movements, and even health at every size, I think they have really good intentions. And so I do, I do support this. But I think there's just pros and cons to these movements, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. well, it's the so let's just get into it. Yeah, when, when I see the words health at every size, I think, like we were talking about earlier, I see where it's coming from. It There's a need for this body positivity and mm-hmm. for people to stop discriminating against people in larger bodies, um, stop equating smaller, fitter looking bodies with health. Yeah. Sometimes they're actually unhealthy, by the way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people in larger bodies are healthy. But when you hear the words health at every size, I think it's misleading right off the bat because... We know obesity is, like we were talking about earlier, it's associated with 
um, several different disease states, risk for disease, and all around increased mortality, which morbidity versus mortality, mortality being death, right? Morbidity is risk for disease. So it, we do know that there's an association here and it's classified by the World Health Organization as a disease. Right. And so I think there is a problem going on um, in our modern world with this sort of disease state. Just more people are becoming obese. And so we classify it as a disease. I know there's doctors and researchers that are desperately trying to learn more about the etiology around obesity because it's such a mystery and so multi-layered, you know? Basically where I'm going with that is health at every size can be misleading because I think it leads people to deny some of this science, which there's a large body of evidence that we've been talking about. And I think maybe some proponents of the health at every size movement, they deny um, this science and instead choose to believe that that for many individuals it doesn't matter the those lab values don't matter for example I I totally get what you're saying Cody and I think that's a good point to make because we are we do have a huge problem 70 percent of the people in the U.S. are either overweight or obese and like you said that's classified as a disease And so I think it is important to mention that we still need to work on this. There's still so many things that we could do better as a society to help promote more physical activity and better nutrition while also promoting promoting body positivity. And so I do think that sometimes the health at every size does neglect the fact that we do have a huge problem and we still want to address that problem, but we also want to address the fact that we don't want to be held to body shape, size, or appearance standards, which I think we are right now. And we've talked about body appearance so much, and it's just a hard balance between the two, I think. It's such a hard balance, because like, I was looking up a little bit before today, and I found um, like significant weight loss, which is defined as greater than 10%, can help reverse metabolic syndrome and some of these negative health risks associated with overweight and obesity. Mm -hmm. So we know on the one hand that weight loss can help health if you're in a dire health situation related to um, being at an unhealthy or increasing weight. But on the other hand, it's not always the answer for people to try and lose weight because that can lead to weight cycling, which is in itself unhealthy. And I think that's one thing in the health at every size movement. They've really recognized that weight loss is difficult for people. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is, it can be very difficult and um, weight cycling is damaging in its own right. Um, But I think sometimes that can get taken to the point of saying, well, you shouldn't have to lose weight ever. Yeah. And so I, I've been thinking of this, like more, you can have health at any size, right, as opposed Mm -hmm. to just a blanket statement of health at every size. And I because I think, I think one of the biggest issues, right, is that we are told to lose weight, period. It's not we don't we don't base our health around the things that we know benefit our health, like 
we should look into what we are putting into our bodies right. through terms yeah. of food, and we should increase physical activity. So I think if we, you know, for me, my perspective is never on weight, right? We've talked about this before. I don't right. even, I've never, you know, I don't get on a scale unless I'm at the doctor's. Um, but it's just why, why do we need to say, let's lose weight? How about, right? You're having health problems and maybe, maybe your weight is a factor, but that's why are you the weight that you are, right? Let's look at what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. Is it that you sit, you have an office job and you are at a desk 12 hours a day and then you're exhausted and you don't have time to go exercise, right? Or is it, is it that you don't have access to healthful food? Is it that you maybe live in an impoverished area? Is it, you know, there's so many factors that I think we like discredit and to, to the, to the point of health at every size, I do appreciate because, you know, one of the biggest things that's is they're trying to, um, to kind of not discredit, but, but go away from the weight stigma that we have, that you are, that we're open for our BMI that doesn't take in all of these factors that are going on in our life. And, you know, and I really appreciate that part of it because I hate scales. I hate weight centric media. I hate diet culture. Mm-hmm. And I do think that it's a huge, that it's a huge deal to tell someone that they just need to lose weight as opposed I, to, to ex, you know, helping someone to achieve overall health. And maybe they don't lose any weight. Maybe not, but maybe they can climb up a flight of stairs that they couldn't climb up before. And, you know, at some point when you increase your physical activity and you increase your consumption of fruits and vegetables, you're going to lose weight. Yeah, you are. Right. Well, oftentimes, <laughs> oftentimes that message is coming from doctors. I think that it's just so easy for them to tell people, oh, you just need to go lose a few pounds. Yeah. yeah. And, then the, and then the patients go home and they Google, how do I lose weight? And then some fad diet come up, comes up and then they start the diet yo-yo cycling process and that's what kills me i just feel like it's a constant battle yeah well, yeah and let's face it doctors have a lot on their plate already they shouldn't be expected to do our jobs to really yeah. follow people long term but i think that maybe that message is should be handled a little bit more more delicately at that point with with a patient um and that's where I think we can do better in just the medical system and doctors building those relationships with dietitians to be able to not just send these people out into the winds to try and figure it out on their own, you know? Right. And it's, I mean, too, also to be like devil's advocate here, you have to think about how much time a doctor is getting with each patient because yes. of the healthcare world that we live in, they're maybe getting like five minutes of FaceTime. Like the average is maybe 15 minutes. I saw it sometime somewhere, yeah. but the average is so low. Like they don't have time, right? Which is why there's right. dietitians. However, utilize us, right? Put in a referral, talk to us about, about this, you know, weight loss and changing. And, you know, I don't know. It's just such a... Because we will take a more... I think if you work with a dietitian, it it would be a more nuanced approach of lifestyle rather than just focusing so hard on the weight itself. Yeah. So I, um, I, I was, I'm looking down, I had like questions from, from some listeners and stuff. And one of them was, um, you know, utilizing the DEXA scan to uh, as kind of like a marker of health. And I was curious if you guys have interesting. Because, you know, I think I did the DEXA scan as part of a research study and I never got my results. <laughs> but Wait, so the uh, DEXA, if I'm, 
if I'm remembering correctly, the DEXA will tell you your body fat, uh, your percentage of bone muscle, and then your percentage of bone mass. Is that correct? Yeah, like it has to. Yes. So, I, I think think that would be. I think I mean it would be ideal, right? If we could all have DEXAs, then then you see beyond that BMI. So if someone has a BMI of 28 or 30 and we would, you know, if you only have that BMI, you have to classify them as overweight. But if you get their DEXA results and see that they have like a ton of muscle mass on like a 5'11 frame or something, then that just gives you so much more insight. I think that's true, but I, I don't know. It's just hard to say because we don't have any guidelines that tell us oh, when you're over this percentage of fat, that's when you're going to start developing health problems. Yeah. You know what I that's mean? That's true. Like yeah. someone could have a high percentage. Well, we have, we have like have- basic, basic guidelines of like what percentage of fat for women and men is considered healthy. quote unquote healthy. Um, I mean, we have guidelines. I don't, they're probably old as, older than us, but. We do. <laughs> We do have guidelines in that aspect, but we also have guidelines about BMI and all these other things that should determine your health. I I think I'm just trying to look at the side of health at every size. It kind of just goes along with that. Like a bigger, you could see a person that's obese and be like, yeah, that person's not mostly muscle and probably predict that they would be higher likely to develop health problems but maybe they won't. And I think that would go hand in hand with just seeing the fact that their body fat percentage is a little higher. You would predict that they might develop health problems, but they also might not. But that's where you have to look at lab values and the complete picture on a person by person basis. Exactly. And I think that's truly the only way to really determine true health besides the mental health that we talked about. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's just such a such a huge deal. And then I also thought I was thinking it was kind of interesting using DEXA because Cody had mentioned, right, if you have, there's, I mean, there's a lot of research showing that excessive amounts of weight throughout your life. And then if you look at the impact that it has on your joints, your bones, your body yeah. frame, yeah. Um, you know, it's a really high, you increase your risk for, for hip problems, knee problems, that kind of a thing as you age. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was also kind of like an interesting Cause I mean, it would be a good marker, right. To see like where you stand on kind of a structural component. Of- yeah. yeah. And if DEXA, I can't remember, but if DEXA tells you like your bone density, that would also be helpful because I know with, with having being classified either in the overweight or obese category, you're also more likely to have a lower bone density and potentially develop osteoporosis so having that, I didn't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. having that bone density from the DEXA might, I guess, be helpful too in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And well, that's... again, another part of that is your um, your nutritional intake, and you know if you're adequate in specific vitamins and minerals, and your hormones are in check, and yeah. you know that's all a contributor. Yeah. So that, I think that relates to the functional component, like when you talk about um, just excess body weight body fat contributing to more pressure on the joints people can also get sleep apnea difficult breathing difficulty breathing at night Mm -hmm. and that's where you know you really have to consider how this person's 
life is being affected? How are they functioning in everyday life and, and moving their body, you know? I think, so Libby, you read the messages today that we got from our Instagram poll, but I think someone wrote in and said something about looking at both ends of the spectrum, or maybe, I don't know where I, I feel like someone asked me this before, but so looking at health at every size. So when we think of health at every size, our first go-to is to think about people with excess body fat and Mm -hmm. being accepting Mm -hmm. of that. But what about people on the other end of the spectrum at smaller sizes that are unhealthy at very small sizes? Because if we're saying health, if we're taking it literally health at every size would mean both big and small and yeah. you know that with, like having a super s- small size is not always healthy either right absolutely yeah and i think that's a such a good point because you can be you can be real thin and maybe you're even super malnourished right because you don't eat much but mm-hmm. maybe yeah. all you eat is pizza or hamburgers or something really high you know high saturated fat diet low fiber diets um and yeah, and your lab values, I have a lot of little old ladies, like tiny little old ladies with heart disease, a lot, like way more than I ever could have imagined, right? And they've always been small. And, um, and that's not, I mean, part of it is they're elderly, right? Mm-hmm. But another part of it is, you know, you ask about their diet, and it's like, they eat bacon and drink coffee. And that's kind of it. Like, that's their whole, <laughs> their whole intake. And it's just, um Again, it's it goes back balanced. to that, that overall balanced diet is such a huge contributing factor to your health. Body weight, again, can't stress it enough. Your body weight should not define your health because it doesn't. <laughs> right. Um, Even the, but I just playing devil's advocate here too. Like, I just want to throw in in general, we know that it's healthier typically to have more lean muscle mass and less adipose tissue in general it's positive for health to maintain a good amount of lean body mass or lean muscle well, mass. But, but I think it's, that's kind of unfair too, because you can be a skinny person with no lean body mass and have a lot of, you know, what, what is under your skin is adipose. I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily show in the form of being a large person and you can still have a really low lean right. body mass percentage. I mean, but then, Right. And it's just overall, like if maybe if there's a thin person and they have, say it is an elderly person with less lean muscle mass, um, with, you know, with less muscle mass, you're, you have less functional strength, maybe less ability to carry out tasks of daily life and just. Again, is attributed to, I mean, I'll get, I work with old people. I, you know, a lot of malnutrition rolls through, um, and so from that perspective, like it, it freaks me out. To, I, I mean, I'm, I'm skewed because I, I want my older people to be a little more on the plump side. That's my ideal patient because they typically have a, you know, a higher overall health if their BMI is in what we would consider a high range for normal, I guess. So, right. Especially in the, oh. older, in the older populations, especially. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a huge deal because. Because as you age, you metabolize le- you you don't metabolize protein as well, and you lose lean body mass. Right yes. as you age, yep. you you lose your ability to gain muscle very easily. You still can, but it's super slow. Right. Um, it's so hard too, because don't they lose 
your your appetite kind of drops off as you age too so it's like a double whammy there yeah it's a it's a fine balance (laughs) yeah and Cody you mentioned that with increased body weight or just being obese you increased your mortality rate right yep overall mortality so all those different diseases lead to more death overall okay and that that made me think I know that goes hand in hand both with being overweight and with being underweight so people that are in a lower BMI and I keep bringing up BMI but that's just what we use to like in school that's what we learned and that's how we categorize well and it's a tool it's one tool in our toolkit and there is is validity to some extent yes and we do I mean I understand understand BMI pretty well we take it with a grain of salt Mm -hmm. but to be fair, most people categorized in the underweight category from BMI are probably underweight. And with that comes also an increased rate of mortality. So it just kind of goes both ways mm. being underweight or overweight or obese. Yes. Because yeah. we do have like this healthy range that we see the least amount of comp- like health complications in, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and going back to tying that back to the body pos- positivity movement. Mm-hmm. I have had patients in the hospital, so I do see a considerable considerable amount of eating disorder kids. Mm-hmm. And I had a kid a couple weeks ago who was, um, he had anorexia. And um, part of, I think, part of what led to his eating disorder was, was people making comments around how skinny he was. And sort of shaming, body shaming him for being too small and too scrawny. And that led him to sort of take back control by basically not eating anymore. That makes me um, so sad. It is sad, but it's like, yeah, that health at every size, it, it totally applies to people in smaller bodies as it relates to our body image standards too. And Yeah, I agree. And it's I mean, it's such a, you know, we learned um, a a fair amount about, you know, the female athlete triad, right? Like when you, when you're exercising too much, not consuming enough, you know, adequate nutrition, not getting enough rest, there's, you know, and it, I mean, it just butchers your hormones. I mean, and that's an adipose tissue directly, directly relates to um, estrogen levels in the body. I'm not going to get into it. There's research, but, um, you know, there's just regardless of your size, every, everything that you're putting into your body and the amount of, the amount of exercise you have and everything is playing a part to regulate your body systems. And I just think that that's, that is my issue with part of the movement is that, um, and this is like a whole different topic to, to discuss, but a lot of people who promote um, health at every size also promote intuitive eating, which mm-hmm. I appreciate to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that it kind of, in a way, it kind of like it's like we we discredit things that we know to be true to to instead say, well, we have the freedom to eat foods that we want, and you're absolutely right, you do in moderation, right? And and it's yeah. just I feel like we really kind of. My problem with this movement is that it just, I feel that it's pulling from the reality of what we know as medical health professionals 
to be scientifically true, right? Yes. Well, I don't I think, think it... that there's impacts of being obese. I know that there are medical impacts of being obese, right? Mm-hmm. There, there are. We know that. So. And the thing, when people take it too far, do you guys think it can kind of lead to some complacency and some maybe tendency towards inaction even if if yes. someone does have say elevated bad cholesterol and yeah it's like, well there's uh, i think it's some more extreme ends of the health at every size movement people might kind of go into this denial and say well i don't need to change i'm beautiful the way i am and it's like yes you are but, but if you want to live to be you know, health situation now. there's a yeah. difference there's a difference between feeling confident and being healthy and if it was confidence at every size that would be freaking awesome but it's healthy yeah. at every size and the reality of it is that you're it not isn't always, always always like sometimes you can be healthy at every size absolutely but the chances are if you're severely overweight or severely severely underweight you might not be healthy and there's a higher chance that you won't be healthy as you age and i wish it was i mean like i'm all for body confidence and loving your body and being confident I love that and I think that's one of the positive aspects of health at every size but we're not talking about confidence we're talking about health yeah yes absolutely and then I think um on the same on the same goat here we can chat a little bit about um just different body shapes and uh and how that plays into this because I you know in my in my little noggin right now, as I'm thinking of this, I'm like, I'm picturing like morbidly obese body. And that, and that's not, I mean, when I'm, when I'm saying like to, because when you, to be morbidly obese as categorized by BMI, the odds of your health being poor or having poor effects on your health from your weight are very, very high. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's a certain, BMI range that it's really hard to argue that certain diseases aren't contributed to your excess adipose tissue on your body. Okay. And limitations on your life as well. They're starting to start to become very likely, but they're also, I mean, you have to take into account things like hips and bone density and, you know, some people are just built bigger. All right. Like, like I am a small person. I don't have hips. I'm going to have a hell of a time giving birth one day. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not because I'm, you know, because I have a, a small frame. My sister, right? She is five inches taller than me and is going to have calving ease, as we say on the dairy. Because um, <laughs> she has some nice big Italian hips. And she's super fit. You know, she's super thin. Um, not that that really matters, right? But she... But overall, like she is classified as being overweight and the girl could kick my ass. Like she runs like six miles a day and is is really thin, but she also she's bigger framed, therefore she weighs more. Also um, that muscle mass is yeah, going to weigh mass, more. Yeah, absolutely. For the BMI. Yes. So I just I kind of, you know, we had a I had a several questions about you know, knowing if you're healthy at your size, knowing, um, you know, about different body shapes and what is healthy for each one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a hard, um, we all carry our weight differently, right? Some people carry their weight in their thighs and in their booty. Some car- people carry their weight, you know, in their stomach. Um, some people it's in their arms. I think it, 
you know, every, every human is different and unique, which is beautiful. Um, so I, I don't think that's an, I can't really answer that question. Do you guys have a good answer to that question? <laughs> I just keep resorting back to labs. I think it's really hard to know if you're questioning your health, it's hard to know if you're healthy, if you don't feel well, I would definitely go get your labs checked, get those, the values that we talked about at the beginning, the blood draw. Yeah. I would go do that and get your values and just to double check if you're questioning whether or not you're healthy. Um, But if you feel good, you can do the things you want to do. Then I I would say you're probably fine. Are you getting your recommended intake of fruits and vegetables? Yeah. Are Are you moving your body for at least 30 minutes a day? I mean, I just can't stress it enough. You got to get up and move. We all do. Use it or lose it. (laughs) Use it or lose it. And just, yeah, basically, I think if, if you do discover if you're not feeling well, or maybe doctor says you have some high cholesterol, just take an inventory of your lifestyle at the moment and over the past months and year and like, you know, just check in. Are you, how are you eating? How have you been moving? And because God knows all of us could work on something to strive a little closer towards that balance and some of those recommendations, right? No one's perfect, but there's always room for improvement. Absolutely. And I think it'd be hard pressed. Um, So I guess this rolls into my other question. So someone else had asked about um, like autoimmune diseases and the affecting of body shapes. So with the, I'm going to put a caveat in my next statement, right? I, I was going to say that you're hard pressed to not see some changes in your body with increased physical activity, right? That's a pretty, you're gonna, you maybe not won't lose weight, but you're going to increase lean body mass versus adipose tissue. Um, And overall you are going to, you're going to feel better. I mean, well, likely you probably will. I shouldn't say you will, but. Oh no, you will. But like, I know with autoimmune disorders, have you guys heard of like Hashimoto's thyroiditis? Yes. Yes. I know people with Hashimoto's, um, it it can be very, when the thyroid is dysfunctioning, it's very easy to um, put on weight, put on fat, Mm -hmm. and very hard to to lose it. Like harder than if you were just, if you didn't have that disease state. So I think it's like, it can be, yeah, that can be an added challenge with autoimmune disorders, but that's not my specialty and then, but and then things like PCOS right if you're a woman um anything to do with your uterus i mean good god it messes with your hormones like crazy and it totally. really it does it does affect your ability to lose weight um and and it and it can also inc- or decrease your metabolism so you gain weight a lot faster than maybe you're so used rude. to um yeah right <laughs> thank, you. thank you uterus aren't you a friend um, but that's that's where and even now like I just caught myself focusing on weight rather um, than health and and you like if you have those diseases and you're working with your doctor just you're probably already keeping an eye on your labs they'll probably draw for thyroid hormones and exactly. so that's where we just have to keep then, focused on yeah how we're and then we're, when you have an autoimmune disease there is almost always a doctor and most likely, excuse me, a dietitian who specializes in what you have. I mean, not always, but for the more common ones, I've seen a lot of dietitians who 
have brought light to PCOS and hormone regulation through diet and lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen, you know, just there, if you have it, search the gram and look for those dietitian credentials because odds are there's going to be someone who, who has it too and who knows more about it than us because we're, you know, blanket statementing our yeah. thing because we don't, right. you know, we, we're not experts. I don't have any any autoimmune diseases. Um, thankfully, yeah. I'm grateful for that, right? Not yeah. to say I wouldn't help you if you did because you bet I'd do my homework and we would work through it, but yeah, it's always better to yeah. find specialists. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that could be a, a broader conversation to talk about kind of autoimmune diseases and the effects that they can have on on your body shape and size, but someone did want to know about that, so. Yeah. Well, cool. Libby, did you have any other questions from people? Um, I am looking. Mm, I don't think so. The different body shapes and what's healthy for each one, autoimmune diseases, how to know if you're healthy at your size, which I feel like we kind of have, have talked about, right? Your lab yeah. values. And, and again, as a young person, it's hard because you, uh, you're probably going to have to ask your doctor to draw your labs. Yeah, <laughs> I get mine drawn every year at my physical, which I have not had a physical in a couple of years. Shame on me, but I haven't. Um, you know, and I always ask to get my labs drawn while I'm there. And part of that is because I've had, you know, lab issues in the past. And part of it is I'm nosy. Um, <laughs> but I think I think when we're young, we think, oh, we can address it later. Yeah. And that is just, I mean, it's so um, naive. <laughs> I don't, that sounds a little mean. I don't think it's naive, but. I mean, I, I think we have to be real with ourselves. I have a, a, a an acquaintance that I went to high school with who's just a couple years older than me who has cancer. Like, how do you think they found out they had cancer? You gotta, yeah. you gotta take care of your Good health. Yeah. I think, yeah, that is so important. And that's just like shifting more from sick care to preventative care. Like if you are proactive on your health and you go in and get checked up, I mean, it's so much better than waiting for some symptom to come down the line. Like what you do now, I mean, you could catch any alerts if you just go and have those checkups, but also your life, what you're doing in your lifestyle, even when you are young, like our age, you're, you're planting the seeds for what comes around in the next 10 years. Absolutely. What a beautiful statement. I think it, yeah, we need to at some point have our fabulous, um, future guests on to talk about longevity and you know how how your lifestyle choices that you make when you're young or even middle-aged affect um you know aside from genetic factors how long you're going to live and how there's kind of a direct correlation and it's so fascinating so oh yes love that yeah one thing i think just one more thing on health at every size i think one of the great things that it does is I think it's shifted it's shifted the conversation from just focusing on because we already talked about all this data right that is correlating um, being at an unhealthy or increasing body weight or if it's too low with more overall mortality and risk for disease Mm -hmm. but I think typically before 
yeah, doctors and even dietitians just assume they can just tell someone to lose weight and that will fix the problem, which mm-hmm. maybe it does, but this is why it's so complicated. So yeah. I think health at every size has shifted the conversation more to the individual and really saying, hey, well, for this person, are you just assuming that it's necessary for them to lose weight or because there are on an individual level, it's not just this cut and dry fit into the broader data sometimes it's like or maybe they discover that they do have some kind of um disease like an autoimmune disorder for instance with um but do you know what i'm saying it's yeah. helped people overall just focus on not assuming and yes. paying closer yes. attention to the individual I love right. that. And I, I like that you ended on a positive note. I hope <laughs> that we didn't bash health at every size too much because we did try to approach this delicately. And I do think there's po- positive things like Cody mentioned. And I mean, like promoting healthy relationships with food and ending weight discrimination and weight inclusivity. These are all things that health at every size does try to do that are positive things but we just also we're dietitians and we like the science and we want to be realistic and so I think that was our goal of the conversation today yes yeah and I yeah I think that's well said just the it, it does not matter what you weigh and we need to stop being assholes to each other like yeah and yeah it, and honestly it's mind your own Fucking business, also. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was again Instagram things today, and I, just mind your fucking own people. I think we should end today with like a, a something fun. Like, what's your favorite? Like, if you could have any drink right now, and in it, like any drink in any loca- location right now, what would it be? Ooh. <sighs> Libby, I want to be in Tahiti (laughs) (laughs) drinking a gin and tonic. I love gin and tonics. I love never been to Tahiti, but I want to go so bad. And I want to be on a beach where the sun is not smoky. Yeah. And I can breathe without my lungs hurting. I love that. Mine would be, I want to be on the Pacific coast of Costa Rica on a beach i have been to costa rica before and i know the exact spot i would go back to and i want a pina colada in my hand yeah and i want to be in a hammock yeah oh that's beautiful and cody we are on like the same wavelength except i want to be uh in baja sur mexico and i want a pina colada in a pineapple (sighs) want to be on the beach just living my happiest happiest life (laughs) Oh my god, I love that. Awesome. Well, I had fun today, guys. And we will see you next week on Dietitian Power Hour. Next Wednesday. Hasta luego. Ciao, ciao.